Well, I'm excited this morning for a number of reasons, um, but uh, I'm glad that COVID is pretty much over for lots of reasons. But one reason is it allows us to reconnect with people that we haven't been able to connect with in so many years. And it's been a long time since uh, we've been able to connect with family and friends, but now we have the opportunity to do that once again. So I'm glad this morning and, and happy to introduce Rob Wolf to you. Uh, Rob currently is youth director at North Shore Fellowship in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and attending online and in other capacities at RTS, Reformed Theological Seminary in Atlanta. But more than that, Rob is married to someone that's special in our lives, in his life, but also Heidi and mine. He's married to our niece. Uh, the flower girl in our wedding is now all grown up and has a family of her own, and we are thrilled that they are here for a little while, though Rob will be preaching us with, for us today and next week as well. So I want to encourage you to encourage Rob um, and to show and to exhibit the, the right hand of fellowship of Jesus Christ, to encourage him in this ministry and in this call. And uh, we're thankful that Rob and Clara could be with us this morning. So Rob, come forward. Let me pray for you, brother, as you seek to give us the word of the Lord this morning. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for Rob. We give you thanks for this family, and Lord, calm his nerves, calm his anxiety. May he be strengthened by the grace of his Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would go before him, watch over him, guide him, and protect him. Holy Spirit, be near to him. Carry his words to us here this day. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, brother. Amen. Welcome. Thank you, guys. Can you guys hear me? Is my mic on, I believe? Nope. That's all right. How about now? We good? Awesome. All right. Hey, will you join and stand with me as we read God's Word this morning, coming from Psalm 1 and 2. Psalm 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves do not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the wicked, the way of the wicked will perish. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in, in his wrath and ter terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like potter's vessels. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned. O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, 
lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated this morning. Well, thank you guys so much, brothers and sisters. It's a true privilege to be here this morning as we unpack God's word together. I'm going to slide this right here. So we all want to be blessed. We all want the good life. Sure, we probably don't say those exact words. You probably didn't wake up saying that. But our actions and the things we seek, we are desiring the best path for our lives. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? But we can take observation how we spend our time, how we spend our money, what we dream about, what we are hopeful for, what we're excited about, reveals that we all want the good life. And if you're a Christian this morning, you are, you're desperately wanting to know God's will for your life. And that's a really, really good and important and right question that all of us should be asking. What is God's will for our life? As Ryan mentioned, I work with students, I have the privilege and pleasure to work with middle school and high school and some college students. And that's probably most of our counseling and questions they're asking us is what's God's will for their life? And what we can affirm them with is that God's will has been revealed to us. It's been revealed to us by his scripture. And what I want us to see this morning is that Psalm 1 and 2 answer this question what the good life is. Psalm 1 and 2 serve as an intro to the entire Psalter, to the entire book of Psalms. And again, we know that God's will has been revealed to us through his scripture, so it's really important and right and true that you and I should consider what God's word has for us this morning. And what we see is that Psalm 1 and 2 show us a guide or a path or a way to true blessedness. We all want to be blessed, don't we? We all want the good life. And what Psalm 1 and 2 wants us to see is that we have the answer in God's word. And there's four things I want us to see through Psalm 1 and 2 this morning is this. The true blessedness comes through this. Yahweh is king. Yahweh or the Lord is king. The righteous love the king. The wicked oppose the king. And you and I can know this king. Will you join me as we pray one more time? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we do ask that you would reveal your spoken and written word to us this morning. Help us to see more clearly uh, your call for our lives. Help us to see that you are the true king. Amen. So Yahweh is king. And the reason I'm using the word Yahweh is that's the Lord or God's covenantal name. It's the Lord's covenantal name that, God, that, the people, that he gave to his people to say this, to, that he is present, close, and personal with his people. We see the, word, the name Yahweh given in the Old Testament to God's chosen people to say, hey, I'm with you and I'm for you. It's his covenantal name. And that, the word covenant, I don't know about you, but that's a pretty big word. It's not a word we use very often, is it? She, she knows. Uh, it's not a word we use very often, but a simple way to understand what the covenant of God has for his people is this. 
God is saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. I will be your God and you will be my people. In fact, that's one way we could sum up the whole entire Bible as God is pursuing his people to be in right relationship with him. And we're called to respond to that pursuit. So Yahweh is king. How do we know he's king? Look at verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates on it day and night. In verse 2 in Psalm 1, it's really our key verse this morning. But we know that Yahweh is king because he gives the law. Another way we can interpret the word law here is instruction or Torah. But basically what we're getting at here is God's spoken commandment of, of the law, and he's giving out covenant blessings and covenant curses. Covenant blessings in verse 3 and 6 of the first psalm. Covenant curses in psalm and, uh, verse 4 and 6. But we have to see that since the beginning, God has spoke. God has spoken his direction, his law, his Torah. And when God speaks, he's speaking blessing, covenant cursing, curses or covenant blessing. And brothers and sisters, I want us to see this this morning that Psalm 1 and 2 are making it really clear that the word, God's word, his instruction, his law, his Torah, is the source of true life. God speaks through his word and through his actions. Again, I will be your God, you will be my people. He's pursuing his people through action. He's speaking their instruction and their word to them. One commentator had this to say, the Lord reaches, touches, and shapes the human soul through his word. And that's what we see this morning in Psalm 1 and 2. The Lord reaching, touching, and shaping the human soul through his word. This is God's ideal. So, the, so only the true king can bring about these blessings and these true words. So Yahweh is king. This is God's ideal for us. And as the king, as, as we respond to the king, he requires some things of us. And he requires, and an, a natural response to Yahweh as king is this, joy and gratitude to live in fellowship with him. We have to see when we live in fellowship with God, with the true king, that's the highest possible privilege you and I could have, being children of the living God. In Psalm 8, it calls us that we are crowned with glory and honor. That's the highest privilege of your lives, to be a child of the God. It doesn't get better than that. To be a child of God is to have identity and status. These are gifts. Identity is a gift. Status is a gift. So you and I don't have to earn them. And that's really, really radical. Because functionally, we don't live like that. So often, we want to find our identity in so many other things, don't we? Whether it's our, our identity in our performance at work, at school, recreation, and then deeper things like our identity in our sexual orientation, or our identity in our relationships, or our identity in the things we have, our wealth. And the list goes on and on. So the last couple of weeks, the, the Olympics have been on TV. Claire, my wife, 
and I, we love watching the Olympics. And to get us ready uh, for the upcoming gymnastics, we were watching this documentary kind of telling the backstories of the, of the women who were trying out to be on the Olympic team. I, and it was really interesting in this documentary, it was talking about, man, this, their whole lives are wrapped around to make the Olympic team. And there's only five spots in the entire country. And what, was, what really sh- stood out to me is when we were watching this documentary, it was really well done, fascinating seeing their lives, is that they made it really clear that their identity was being on this Olympic team. In fact, one of the, the women said that literally that exact phrase, that this is my identity. My whole life is wrapped around making the Olympic team. And obviously, athletics and finding your thing in life is a good thing, but when our, and it's our identity, that's when we have problems, right? And it's not super clear. We all wrestle with this. We all wrestle with this. Uh, what's, what was really interesting is I was watching another sports documentary. I'm a really big sports fan, if that wasn't obvious. Um, but I was watching another sports documentary, Maya Moore. If you guys know who that is, she uh, was a former professional women's basketball player. And at the time, a few years ago, she was, she was most likely the best women's basketball player in the world. And she shocked the entire uh, sport, sports community by retiring and stopping playing basketball at the height of her powers. At the height of her career, she, t- she stepped away. And I don't know if you know this, she, she is, Maya Moore is a believer. She is a Christian, y'all. And she stepped away to help with prison reform for those who have been unrightly convicted. And she stepped away, and I was watching a few minutes of her 30 for 30 documentary, and she talked about the end. And you could just tell her, like, her disposition was so beautiful because she was so relaxed, so peaceful with her decision. And she, and she was so excited to spread God's kingdom in this way. And they asked her, you know, like, do you think you'll ever go back to basketball? And she was like, you know, I might. It's, it's still a possibility. I love basketball, but I don't have to because that's not what my whole life is about. And I love those two pictures. We have the picture of the gymna- gymnast and Maya Moore, the basketball player, and we see their dispositions. Maya has a different identity. She has a different status. And all of our functional identities pale in comparison to be a child of God. This is the Imago Day. And so what I want us to see this morning is that when we boil down life, there are two paths in front of us. That's what the psalmist wants us to see. There's two ways to live. First way is the way of righteous, and the second is the way of the wicked. And what God's word has made really clear is how we respond to Yahweh as king and his rule is a matter of life and death. How we respond to his word is a matter of life and death. Uh, One of my favorite places where you can read this a little bit more clearly about God's covenant, about his rule, about his law, is in Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 20. So I would encourage you to go read that later today. But what God is calling us to choose life, I am the good king over all things, and I want you to choose life. And so that's our second point, is the righteous love this king. This is path one. So there's a show on Disney called The Mandalorian, and it takes place in the Star Wars universe. And The Mandalorian and his uh, clan, his cult, um, they have a saying, and the saying is this, this is the way. 
and the way, I, I think this is really helpful for us because the way for the Mandalorian and those in his clan say the way is a matter of life. It's comprehensive. Every aspect of their life revolves around living the Mandalorian lifestyle. And I want us to see this morning, to, for us, God is saying the righteous love the king, and the way we're called to do that is to live it in every aspect of our lives, in all areas of life. Look at verse 2 again. It says that he, the way of the righteous, delight in the law, and on the law he meditates day and night. So delighting in doing the will of God for us. That's been set forth in this word. Meditation. Well, what y'all see is, I think we, when we see the word meditation here in the God's word, uh, an image may come to mind for you. Uh, one image I have is you wake up in the morning with your coffee cup and your Bible, and you might put it on Instagram to show off, which is not a bad thing. It's really good to read God's Word in the morning. But that might be what we limit meditation to. And what I want us to see this morning is that it's way bigger than that. It's not just knowing, but it's doing. And the psalmist here is saying meditation is applying the Word in everyday activity. So when we go to the grocery store, whatever we do, it's applying the Word. One of my professors, Carl Ellis, has this to say about theology. His uh, the- definition of the- theology is really helpful, and it's this. It's the application of God's word in every day, every area of life. The application of God's word in every area of life. So this way of the righteous guys is comprehensive. It's every, about every part of our lives. In verse 3, we get this beautiful mer- metaphor of the tree. And the tree is planted by a stream. And this way, the righteous love the king, and they know the king, and they have new life. The way of the righteous is experiencing new life in Jesus. And remember, the word is the source of this life. Uh, The house I grew up in, we had a koi pond. You guys familiar? Koi, goldfish, cool, cool. And it's about 20... 20 by 20, so it's pretty big, but not massive. And we had no trees in our backyard. We, and we, in fact, we tried to plant a few trees, and we couldn't get any of them to grow, and they would just die. And we got this one willow tree, and we were really excited about it. And so we, plant, we planted it near our koi pond. And this tree survived. And not only did it survive, but it grew really, really big, and it got massive. And one day, uh, my dad and I were working in the pond, and we realized that the roots had gone into our koi pond. And so we realized that the tree survived because it got the water from the pond. And this is the exact same metaphor that the psalmist is giving us. And what it's telling us is that if there's no root, there's no fruit. No root, no fruit. And the tree metaphor here is a metaphor for wisdom. And certainly this is an allusion to the tree of life in Genesis 1 and 2. So we see the word of God is where God is, and where God is is where life is. And to, so the way of the righteous is, to, is a love for God and a ready to, to live a godly life. This is wisdom. This is the good life. In verse 4, it gives us this metaphor of, the, of chaff. And, and chaff is kind of like wheat dust. So this was an agricultural society in the ancient Near East and they would gather their wheat, and they would throw it up to get the chaff off to clean it. And they're using the wheat 
the chaff to, to tell us this, that it's really common and it's useless and it's easy to remove. And that is how the wicked are described in Psalm 1 for us. They're common, they're useless, and they're easy to remove. And that's a, that's a pretty stark judgment, right? And we have to see that Yahweh is king, so only the true king can judge. And we see here that the Yahweh knows the righteous. They are connected in fellowship with him. The wicked cannot stand the judgment because they oppose a king. So our next point here is the wicked oppose the king. Look at Psalm 2, verse 1. It's described, Why are the nations raging and the people's plot in vain? What's being described here is the totality of evil. So the way of the wicked leads to this. Rebellion against the true king. We see here that the wicked want to be king themselves. They want to be king in all areas of life. For us, who are our counselors? Going back to Psalm 1 verse 1. Who is the counsel that we're seeking? Is it CNN, Fox, Facebook, Instagram, whatever? Or is it God's word? And certainly watching the news. I don't know what news you guys watch. Is there like a a Texas News Lone Star or something? Is that a thing? I don't know. Am I making that? Anyways, it doesn't matter. Certainly it's not inappropriate to watch the news or check Facebook or whatever, but what is our root? Where are our roots? And if there's no root, there's no fruit. And we need deep roots in God's Word. As I was preparing for and meditating on studying Psalm 1 and 2, I was really, really convicted of just how often my first, too many days, my first and natural response is checking my phone and looking at it. And I need to be reoriented to God's word as the true source of life, as a true and hopeful message for me. So the way of the wicked, the path of the wicked, is really an illusion. It may seem good, it may seem real, it may seem right, but there's no connection to the source of life. And in Psalm 2, verse 1, these are not surprising acts of the nations. God is not surprised. And really here, the goal of rebellion, the goal of the wicked is lordship. Wow. The goal of rebellion is being your own lord, your own God. So this morning, who is the functional, who is on the functional throne of your life? Is it Yahweh? Is it God? Or is it yourself? And it's really complex, right, when we try to apply this to our lives. Psalm 2, verse 4, God sees the nations raging against him, and what does he do? He laughs. He laughs at them trying to rebel against the true king. This should give us assurance as God's people. If you know King Jesus, assurance that God is not threatened about the opposition. He is not worried, he's not delayed from the evils of this world, our own evils. He's not. So we see here that if Yahweh is king, he requires 100% loyalty. And this is certainly a natural response to the covenant of God, 
the blessings, the source of life, the new identity, this new status. We are called to be 100% loyal to God, and there's no exceptions. We see in chapter 1, verse 6, that the wicked will perish. The consequences of sin are absolutely real, and they're absolutely devastating. And we need to approach this with somber and sober hearts. Apart from Yahweh, apart from his intervention in our lives, we are on a path of destruction. Yet God has not given up, and he has provided hope for us. And we, and this is our final point this morning, that we can know this king. You and I can know this king. In chapter 2 of Psalm 2, verses 6 through 8, we see Yahweh establishing his kingdom on earth. It says that he set his king, his anointed, his chosen servant, to be the ruler of the world, to spread his kingdom to the ends of the earth. Another reference to Psalm 1 and 2. We see Adam and Eve are called to be these vice regents to tell, to spread God's image and to spread his kingdom to the ends of the earth, and yet they fail. And so we need a new king, a new and right king. Verse 6 of, of Psalm 2 talks about Zion. This is God's chosen dwelling place with his people. Remember, God is personal present, and close with his people. God establishes his covenant with David, the line of David, and extends his rule again to the ends of the earth. And guess what? That's how we know who God is, because he's extended his kingdom to the ends of the, of the earth, to Arlington, Texas. We see this father and son relationship being described in Psalm 2, and God is ruling through his son. Verse 11, we see a commandment here given to the people to submit to this king, to this anointed one who God has set forth. What's really interesting about Psalm 2 is most likely read when a new king of God's people was being introduced, was being put on the throne, and they read Psalm 2 to be reminded who the true king was and the loyalty required of the people. So we see here it's a commandment, submission to this earthly king. But look at verse 12. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Don't you see that the way of the righteous is to prosper in refuge in Yahweh? To prosper in the law. So remember, the law, the Torah, instruction from God. And what we see here is that God's instruction has been revealed to us. So we're called to live in accordance with God's revelation. Our worship this morning is not simply religious activity, but it's centered on God revealing himself to us. This is live action. And we see all of this, this hint of the sun. We see that God has revealed himself fully through King Jesus. 
and ultimately Psalm 1 and 2 are pointing to Jesus. The whole Bible is pointing to Jesus. The Word became flesh. The Word is Jesus. Came flesh to dwelt among us. The Word that created you came to you. This is what Christianity is all about. God revealing himself to us through his person of Jesus. He came to us for redemption, to save you, and to redeem certainly us, but to redeem all things. All of creation is being redeemed. Jesus is the second Adam, and he fully identifies with you. And that's really good news for us this morning. Jesus fully identifies with our weakness. He fully identifies what it's like to be tempted, yet without sin. He fully identifies with our brokenness, the hurt we're experiencing, being sinned against, and facing opposition of his kingdom. He fully knows what your life is like, guys. So brothers and sisters, as we see the second Adam, we have to see that he fulfills the law of Christ for us. Because if we're honest with ourselves, the call of Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 2, to live this righteous life, to meditate on God's word, we don't do it completely, and we fail each and every day. Yet we have a good king, the true son, that fulfills it for us, and then we can fulfill it after him, begin to fulfill it after him. Verse 12, it says, to kiss the son. This is worship worshiping King Jesus. And we worship him with submission, loyalty, and we worship him through imitation. So the good life is this, service, meditation, delighting in Jesus. This is the good life. This is what it means to be blessed. To live under the rule of God, being his child, and experiencing deep and true fellowship with him through his word. And living this way, knowing the true king, should motivate us and energize us to witness about this king, Jesus. So witness. The light has come into the world in John 1, as it described Jesus' incarnation. So we got to let people know. And what, what do we do? How do we let people know? How do we witness? Well, first, we need to witness about who Jesus is, his full testimony. And for each one of you as a collective church and individuals, we, we can ask the question, what has God illuminated for us? How has he revealed himself to us? Because we've got to remember the way of the wicked, the path of the wicked, is foolishness. And apart from the light being revealed to you, we choose this darkness. And what's really beautiful to be a part of God's kingdom, brothers and sisters, is God uses you to shine this blessed life. He uses your family and friends to tell people about Jesus. And to witness can be daunting, it can be overwhelming, but I just encourage you, we just do this in our everyday lives, where you work, where you live, your neighbors, these ordinary, everyday interactions, those are the people we're called to first witness to. And we do it in normal, ordinary, mundane living. 
And that's the beauty of the God's kingdom, isn't it? It looks so small and insignificant, yet it's not. It's growing, and it's turning the world on its head. And certainly as we witness, there will be opposition. We saw that in Psalm 2, verse 1, the nations rage and plot in vain. Yet we have good news, we have assurance that God's kingdom is here and will continue to spread. In fact, in some ways that leads it to spread even further. So as we close with this, we know this king. Jesus walked the path of perfect righteousness for us. He chose the path of righteousness, lived fully obedient. He didn't deviate from the way for your sake. He fulfilled the law, and he is the law fulfilled. Jesus has shined in the darkness for us so we can go and be a light to the nations. Will you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this good news that you have revealed yourself to us. We do ask we would be a light to the nations in this meek and ordinary ways. We ask that we would just remember that we are living in light of your revelation, and that's good news for, us, for our lives, and we can respond by telling others about this good news. In Jesus' name, amen.